Repeat the topic with me, please. Say, building a future with the wrong convictions. I'm starting a new series today, and it's on centered around one word. It's the word convictions. It is my view that all of us have convictions, deeply held viewpoints that affect our choices. If I really want to know you, I look at what you do every day. I look at your convictions, the things that drive you, the things that you will do without question. Those are your convictions. In our story today, we're going to start in a book called the book of Hosea. And it's a fascinating book because of its message and the, and the method God uses to communicate that message is through the um, marriage of a prophet to a very challenged woman named Gomer who was um, called a harlot. She was not, um, I mean, that's just what it, the Bible, you know, she is, and she, that's just the way it was. And what's really difficult about this is it, in chapter 1, verse 2 or so, there's this discussion where he says, God uses my marriage as an illustration of Israel's relationship with God. Like she was unfaithful to him, they were unfaithful to God. And how he kept taking her back in and giving her another chance, and she kept on messing up. Now, if you want to really read something, it's, I think it's chapter 3 and 4, read that in the Message Bible, it will make your eyes go wide open. It's not what I'm going to read in church, but it's down home, I won't say ghetto, but it's strong. If you read it in the message. <laughs> and it's that conversation you'd have with your brother who had a wife or your son who had a, you know, a wife or whoever. And, uh, and you just say, brother, what are you doing? Why are you giving her chance after chance after chance after chance? And the Lord looks at, at us and says, why do I give you chance after chance after chance after chance after chance? More than one, more than two, more than three times we've had this kind of conversation. And it, it, it just shows how people just easily get thrown off. And, you know, you look up one day and, and, and you're reaching your pocket and you got something in your pocket that's got you bound and you keep putting it right back in your pocket. And the Lord says, you know, I thought we talked about that. I thought I took that out of the pocket. I thought, I, I thought we, but you keep putting it in another pocket. And you, you won't change and it's just a profound thing so here's here's the question for the day the question of the day is going to talk to you and aim you at this one word conviction and my goal is to show you that the problem is the wrong conviction you you do not have a set of values that are consistent with the outcomes you want that's why I call it Building a Future, which is our study for the year, right? We're talking about you're right now building something. You're building a future. My argument is you're building with the wrong convictions. And as long as you have the wrong convictions, you're going to have the wrong results. And so what is, what is one of the convictions I think you need to have? I think you must be convinced that you need to know. 
I think you need to know. If you don't know, if you don't have knowledge, you are going to always build the wrong thing because you don't know what you're building. You put the wrong pieces in the wrong places all the time. doesn't matter what city you live in. You can move from here to Alaska, anywhere you go. Because you have the same building habits, you will have the same results. And so I want you to think, that, think about this for a minute. And I want, I want to give you a strong conviction you need. You need to know. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. No, no, say, I need to know. There is a question that drives you in this direction. I'll call it my big question for the day. Why do good people get some important things so wrong in their lives? Why do good people, not bad people, get so many things wrong in their lives? The answer is simple. They don't know. They don't know what to do to have a better result. The problem is they don't know. It's a lack of knowledge. And they're not convinced that they need to know. There's a lack of knowledge. Here's what Hosea said in chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. It's, it's, it's that they don't really know. They're good people, but they don't necessarily know. And I, I think you see when you read Hosea, you get this picture of God sees the good and God sees the bad, but the bad is winning. And he's trying to get them to come to a place where they're willing to, to embrace something, embrace a new life. But he starts out with the painful reality of where they were. And I want you to notice with me, he, it's, it's a strong conviction he communicates. He's convinced that these people, number one, don't know, and he talks to them about what they need to face. Look with me at verse, chapter 4, verse 1, and there are three things, four things, rather, that he mentions that, that Israel's leaders need to face. He has, he has four convictions about these leaders. Number one, they had moral conviction issues. Say that with him, please. Come on. Which means they're, they're, regarding their morality, they, they were not really convinced that God was right. They had convictions that were like, eh, it's not really, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what I do and what I say. I'm, I'm a big movie fan. I'm a big movie buff. I love theater. I love all of that. And I, and I, I love the on-demand choices you have these days. You can save it, download it, take it with you. It's wonderful. But I'm telling you, some of the stuff I see... I've had this fast forward or cut off or delete. Like, dog, man, that is amazing. It, my moral commitment is challenged all the time. I am constantly having to say, no, that's, that's too far. No, I can't watch that. that that's a nice show, but too much of that. And that, that, that. But they did not have the same guidelines. Listen to what he said about them. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord brings a, cha a charge against the, children, the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth. There's no mercy or knowledge of God in the land. No one's honest. No one is honest about what you slid into. Then he goes further and he says, your behavior proves it. They have behavioral issues. Look at verse 2. By swearing and lying, killing and stealing, committing adultery, they break all what? Restraints with bloodshed upon bloodshed. There's no boundaries. 
That's what I run into. The illustration I just gave you, I, I, am I going to be restrained? Am I going to say no? Am I going to say that's too far? Where am I going to draw my lines? Do I have a conviction that that's the right thing to do? Or does it not matter to me? You see, it's so easy to not look at yourself and name the issues. I love the way God does this throughout Scripture. He says, let me tell you what your problem is. You're, you're swearing too much. You're lying. You're, you're, there's, there's, there's no knowledge of God. You're not really committed to learning about God. You're not committed to knowing. So you, you can argue that you don't have a conviction, but you haven't sought to know. What does God think about this behavior? What does God think about this habit? Does he care that I say these words? Does he care about the way I'm living, how I manage my money, how I live? There's this, this, this willful, almost ignorance that we walk in, and he says it leads to judgment issues. These people are heading in the wrong direction, and let me tell you, you see it a lot of times with people you know. You are going in the wrong directions. Churches do it. The whole church does it. Congregations do it. Choirs do it. Musicians everywhere. Pastors everywhere. It's amazing. And one of the, one of the challenges is, what's my conviction? Do I want to be your friend so much so that I ignore the truth? Because if I ignore it, here's what happens in verse 3. Therefore, the land will mourn. Sadness is a sign that something's wrong. Something's wrong. Sometimes when you go to the church or you, you hang around a business, and just, everybody's depressed. What's the problem? There's something in here. There's a, there's a mourning spirit, and that's often the byproduct of not having strong lines, strong convictions, and boundaries. They are all mourn. The land will mourn. And everyone who dwells, everyone, everyone, everyone who dwells there, everyone in that company, everybody in that church, everyone in that house, everyone in that family, everybody there will be, they will waste away with the beasts of the field. The birds of the air, even the fish of the sea, will be taken away and let no man contend. It's going to be horrible. That, that's just an amazing world. Nobody rebukes anybody. Everybody does what they want. There's just no conviction. There's no lines. It's just okay. A lot of parents fall into this. Your children, you love them so much, you just have no convictions. You've allowed all of your views and all of your values He's moved in with you and your daughter, and you're okay with that. Lord, help us, God. I don't have anybody in mind, please. I would tell you if I did. I would tell them. I'm just trying to make the point to you. There's no conviction. And here's the question. <laughs> what, that leads, what will that lead to? Here, here's what he says it's led to. Repeated compromises. Not just one. It's going to be over and over again. For, by, for, for, for your people are like those who contend with the priest. Therefore, you shall, you shall stumble in, in, the, in the day. The prophet shall also stumble with you in the night. In other words, the, pre, the leaders, the priests, are going to stumble. And it's going to spread everywhere. Whenever you see, and there's a series I'm going to do that's coming up called, it, the, the working title was called um, Save Sanctified with Issues. And it's how you can be a saved person, a priest, and have repeated issues. Not one time. Repeated issues over and over. How is that possible? Paul talked about this. And Hosea says, when I look at you guys, this is what's happening. And this was a conviction he had. You guys, you leaders, you've all slid back, lost your way. And then he says, let me talk to you about what happens because of this. There are three things that happens. He was convinced three things would happen 
because of this kind of lack of conviction life. He said the followers would, would lose, the leaders will lose, and the issues would grow. Say those with me, please. Come on. The followers would lose, the leaders would lose, and the issues would grow. It's not going to get any better. Without conviction, it just gets worse. In this, oh, I, I'm going to jump in and out of it. In this political environment you're in, you're seeing the battle of convictions. And, and what's interesting, on both sides, there's good in there somewhere. There's a little good. You can find a little bit of good here, a little bit of good there. But the problem is, at the end of the day, there's a decision you're making. And then there's this third group of, of independents riding in with a whole other set of convictions. And so there's this pressure. What do you believe? And here's what you've you got to be careful of. And I'm, I'm, I'm just don't take a chance and say this. Don't get caught in the smoke. You watch the news until you drown. You can't think. I read about an hour a day of news, probably. First thing in the morning, I'm really big on, let me see if the world's still here. <laughs> so, so I just check it out. So we're still here, praise God. Got a few things going on. <laughs> you know, a couple of things uh, uh, happening now. Almost said a couple of trumps are blowing there, but it's all good. But a couple of things are happening. Trumpets are blowing. Things are going on. And you just sit there and say, man, oh, Jesus, are we winning or are we losing? And I have to make sure that I don't get lost in the smoke where I'm, I'm not informed, where I'm leaning too far left or too far right. And I'm, I'm not able to hear and sort out and prophetically see. There's a sermon I'm going to do in a couple months on the prophecy, a, a passionate prophecy, I think is what it's called. And I'm, I'm, I want to talk about how God shows you things if you're willing to see them. If you're willing to open your eyes for a minute and, and lay your view, your political view on the side and say, God, help me see the changing tide how technology is changing the workplace and how some jobs are never going to come back again no matter what you desire or want and how we can prosper in the midst of this environment and how our convictions need to evolve my conviction about church my conviction about the way things work my conviction about you my conviction about what we can do in the future that's why this sermon series is so important to me because I realize that all around me Things are pulling on my convictions, and it's trying to yank me left and yank me right and pull me away. And I'm, if I'm not careful, the smoke will blind me, and I'll miss something. You remember the smoke in 2007 and 8? You missed it. You didn't see it coming because you got, get, got too caught up in, oh, boy, buy, go, build, do, and, and you weren't thinking. And now I'm saying, think, pray, watch, wait, don't be afraid. But here's what Hosea said, and i got to get back to this. Hosea said, my conviction is, my people are destroyed, verse 6. After talking about all the stuff he described in their behavior, he said, my people are being destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Do they not know that this is bad? To reject knowledge? Do they not understand that I'm trying to show them something and they're, they're getting caught up in the smoke and the temptations in the world around them? They're missing it. And so he says, they're being destroyed. 
The followers are always impacted when they don't know. I say this, I don't know how you feel about it, but it's helped me because I said it about me. I look in the mirror and say, Temple, don't be the dumbest one in the room. You might be dumb, but try not to be the dumbest one in here. Sometimes when people deceive me, I say, you are the dumbest one in the room, Temple. They lied to you, and you sat there and believed them. You were the dumbest one, but are you dumb again? No, I'm not. I'm not dumb. I get it now. Now, I can't talk about you. I'm talking about me. Because I tell myself that. Hold your lips up. Put your hand down. Listen, Temple. Ah, don't talk so much in this meeting. Don't be the dumbest one. Pay attention. Talk when you have something to say. Write notes if you have to. Listen and learn. Come on, say amen if you're hearing me. Sometimes you, you, you're a parent, but you're the dumbest one in the house. You come in the house and you smell that smell and you think it's, that's air freshener, that is weed, that is marijuana, that is not, you're the dumbest one in here. You don't know what that is, you used to smoke it, you know exactly what that is. Why are you lying to yourself? Sometimes you have to say, I cannot be the dumbest one in the room. I need to learn to speak the truth to myself, not to other people, just to me. I need to pay attention because if I don't, those that follow me will lose. And then the leaders lose. Verse 6, I will also reject you from being priest for me. You won't be the pastor anymore, Ricky Temple, because you've forgotten the law of your God, and I will forget your children. You know, I just wonder sometimes, has God just written off that entire family because they have chosen not to know? Has he said, you know, look, and this is what Hosea is telling them, and let me just comfort you for a minute. That's not his ultimate will. If you read the whole book, he, he has one chapter. In chapter one, he says, I'm going to get you, you're bad, and he's, he, even, he even names Hosea's children. Jezreel, scattered. Lo-Ramah means no mercy, the first two children. Your name is going to be scattered because God's going to scatter the whole nation. Your name is Lo-Ramah, which means there'll be no mercy. But then after that, there's Judah. I want to redeem you. Even though I'm telling you where you are, even though I'm, I'm convinced that you are in, going in the wrong direction, you're living without right convictions. But I don't want you to be there. But that's where you're going to be. That's where your children are going to be. Let me say it again. That's where you're going to be, and that's where your children are going to be. A lot of what we're seeing today, you think you can solve by going down to City Hall and marching? You need to march in front of some of these houses. Some of your cousins. You can solve a lot of the drugs for people just recruiting some of your cousins to come to church. Okay, you can look at me. It's fine. Watch this. You ready? I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you I'm not making this up. How many of you know one person in your family that really needs God? Raise your hand. Bad. Okay. Hands down. You ready for the second question? Somebody say, I don't know. How many of you know one person? I'm going to put my hand up because I can name two that probably are not doing everything as legal as they should. There you go. Put the hands up. See, we just solved crime right there. Bam. <laughs> Almost every hand went up. Now, understand, that means you know. I won't ask how many of you got people in jail. Keep your hands down. I'm just saying. Or who have been to jail or need to go or they're looking for them right now. I won't, I won't ask you. 
You see people on those videos, that's Cousin John. I know who that is. That's Cousin Bob. That's Frank. I know that. That's head. I know that head anywhere. That mask doesn't hide that head. That's him. That's her. Every time I go to prison to preach, somebody in there knows me. Hey, Pastor Eckers, oh, you should have listened. <laughs> I saw you. I know, yes. <laughs> so you and your daddy in here. Lord have mercy. The leaders lose, the followers lose, and the issues just keep growing. That's what's happening in our culture. The more they sin, the more they increase, the more they sin. The more they increase, the more they want. The more they increase, the more they sin. One more time. The more they increased, it just got worse and worse. That's his conviction. Now, I want you to notice this guy's conviction drives a strong message and he says it's all rooted in ignorance he's convinced they don't know they don't see and so what I want to do is talk about my convictions for a moment and then what I'm going to do is really introduce you to the next several sermons because I want to talk about five things that I I'm convinced of and I, I, I really thought hard about this that in order for us to build the kind of future we want we got to be healthier and there are five habits that will make you healthier. There's five things that you can do that might get your, your life going in a better direction. And, 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 and I want to just repeat them, and I'm not going to talk about them a lot today, um, but I, I want to just repeat them and just kind of br briefly give you a, a, four, a, kind of a, a look down the road. Repeat this with me. Say work attitude, attitude. wealth-building attitude, wealth attitude, giving and serving attitude, attitude. goal-setting attitude, and listen to this now, spiritual God-seeking attitude. Spiritual God -seeking. And I, I put the word spiritual there. I could have just said God-seeking attitude. But I want, you to, I want you to get this idea of, of a spiritual awakening in your life. You see, the problem that Hosea had with Israel was they, they weren't listening. And he couldn't get them to change their convictions. They were sliding further and further from God, losing their way. They were beginning to become people that were lost, and he couldn't connect. And he just finally just says, look, you're being destroyed because of what you're not facing. You're refusing to know. The leaders are refusing to know. It's spiraling out of control, and it's not getting any better. Our, our, our political system, is, 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 as we've seen, is, is not perfect. And, and part of it is, is, is an exclusion of God in certain basic, fundamental things. And that's why this whole idea of spiritual God-seeking attitude is so important. And I... And I want you to see, I, I put a verse, I'm scroll down just a little bit, you'll see it in, in Psalm 63. Let me jump ahead a little bit. Oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. Early in the morning I will rise up and seek thee, the song says. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land. That's where we live, folks. Where, where no water is. More people are depressed, more people are struggling. Relationships are falling apart. It's hard to stay married. It's hard, it's hard to be loyal. Money challenges. All those, it's like the land's drying up around you. Because thou, he said, in the middle of that has been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings, I will rejoice. In other words, under your protection, I'll rest. And then he said this, verse 8 is the key thing. I'm, I'll talk about this when I get to that sermon. My soul follows. Read that with him, please. Come on. My soul follows hard after thee. Watch this now. My soul is following hard after you. I am convinced of something. My conviction is that a lot of people 
do not have a healthy spiritual life. That's at the core of their problem. Look, you will, famine is a part of life. You're going to have moments of challenge when you don't have enough. And that's whether you make a million dollars or whether you make 50000 or 20000 Famine is something you learn to manage. You will always have issues, but at the core of what holds you together in those issues is your walk with God. And I can't make that happen for you. This church can't make that happen for you. Do you follow hard after God? I'm not talking about a string like this, but he uses language to give you that image. This is the focus of mine. This is not something I'm, I'm faking, like coming to church or watching or streaming in and you're just kind of, you know, doing what you should look like you're supposed to be doing. Is it in your, in, if I looked at your daily schedule, if I looked at the way you manage your day, have you talked on your phone for hours? You answer your phone quick, quicker than you answer God. There's this firm conviction in your life that you must be to work on time but you can come to church whenever you feel like it until you need some conviction say that word with me please come on conviction. what's your conviction what's your conviction what is is your conviction my conviction is i need to follow hard after god i need to make sure that i know I need to make sure that I'm not in a, the dumbest one in the room. I need to say, God, help me learn. I am, listen to me, I am afraid to not know. I am afraid to not know. I am afraid of what can happen to me. I'm afraid of what can happen to my family. I, look, I counsel people all the time. I see it up close and personal. And I'm thinking to myself, I need God. And I'm not talking about some religious kind of, you know, pretend thing. I'm talking about, I don't need my, a wife to remind, did you pray? Did you go to church? Did you talk to God? If anybody has to tell you that, that's a problem. It, why should you have to tell me to go to church? Why should you tell me to pray? Why should you have to ask me, am I walking in? Why? Why? Because I don't look like it. That's why. You come to me and you say, my lights are going to cut off and my phone's cut off. And you, you say, well, where, where do you work? You say, I don't work. Oh, that's why they're cutting off the lights. And that's, I know exactly what's happening. I understand. <laughs> that answered all my questions. <laughs> why, why is your marriage like this? Well, listen, how you talk. Just tape yourself. This next time you want to tell them off, the so hold on, cut the record on. Bam, there you go. Now, let them have it. Blam, there you go. Now, play it back in a week. And ask yourself, is this who you want to be married to? Is this the person you want to live your life with? Somebody that shuts you out, puts you on punishment, can't talk to you for a week and all that kind of foolishness, and you're walking around all quiet and silent? That's why. That's why when you're standing before the judge and you say, I don't know what happened. The judge the Lord said, I can play the tape. Ain't Let me play the tape. Let me show the tape of what they did. Let me show you. They Listen, you, and then you go, I didn't know. That's the problem. I'm trying to help you know now. But here's, here's something. This is so important. This is you know, it, it's, it's simple. It's Romans 12 and 1. You ready? I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable service. Bottom line, give God everything. Amen. Jump in and give God everything. <laughs> 
you, listen to me, you, if you're not careful, you have a conviction, you can give them a leg and a finger every now and then, or a hand up in a song and a dance every now and then, and that's that, but that's not everything. Verse 2 takes you to the promised land. Be not conformed to this world. Don't allow the world to shape you. When I am watching some of my favorite things I like to watch, I have to say, stop that shaping me. It's trying to reshape my mind. Pornography does to you, brothers, sisters. Redefines how you define. It ain't my view. That's what the secular people say. It, re it reprograms your brain. It redefines love and intimacy for you. It will take you away. That, that's what drugs do. It redefines how you think. It re-racks your brain. Getting drunk. Some of you, it ain't, you drink too much. Drinking. <laughs> what you talking about, Pastor Rick? You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's reshaping your mind. You know, the way, the way it, it, it's amazing. And so you, he said, be not conformed to the world. I can't be like them. But I must be transformed by the renewing of my mind that I may prove. Pause right there. Identify. Be able to recognize God's perfect will. You can't even recognize it. You don't have the right convictions because you can't even tell you have the wrong ones. If I got up and said, I am a Japanese man. You would say, I so. And you say, I'm not a Jap I'm Jap telling you I'm Japanese. You just ain't looking close enough. You'd say, Pastor Rick, I'm sorry, brother, but you you one of us. You're a black man. You just you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. And when you see a white man trying to be a man, you are who you are. Come on, say I am who I am. I am who I am. You must be convinced. You must be okay with it. I'm telling you, there are moments in your life when you must embrace who you are. There are moments in your life when you can't, you've you got to be convinced this is who I am. And, and if, if he gave you eyes so you can look at yourself and say, I recognize who I am. Isn't, wouldn't it be sad if I lived all my life thinking I'm a Japanese man? And you come in here and I got on Japanese clothes I start trying to talk in Japanese. You see, he, he really, something happening to him. Something's going wrong with him. Just like you can see that, think how sad it is for you not to be able to recognize that you have the wrong convictions. Think about how sad it is. Think about how sad it is that God's looking at you saying, don't you see this is wrong? You refuse to know. You've got your own viewpoint, your own, your own approach, and it's not healthy. And that's why you keep building the wrong future. That's why you keep going in the wrong direction. <clears throat> and you can marry three more people. You can find four more jobs. You can move to ten more cities. But if you keep on building with the wrong convictions, you're going to always have the wrong results. In the coming weeks, I'm going to talk about a number of the convictions I want you to look at. I want you to look at not only your spiritual life, I want you to look at your work attitude. That's the first thing we'll talk about next week. 
I'm convinced that you're praying and asking God for many of you. You're saying, God, I want you to fix my job, fix my money, fix my finances. But it's, it's, it's the core of the problem is your work attitude. I believe it's not just your work attitude, your, your wealth building attitude. You, you, you need to change your spiritual attitude, your work attitude, your wealth building attitude. Can you say those three? Come on, say spiritual attitude, work attitude, wealth building attitude. I can't wait to share this message when I talk to you about how I don't believe that in the typical church environment or even family environment, you're taught to build wealth. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about a wealth-building attitude. There, there are a lot of people who have reached their maximum, and I want you to consider this. I argue that without an adjustment of your attitude, there are certain levels of wealth you will not be able to. There's certain things you can't do because you don't have the, 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 the time to do it because all your, all your life is tied up on a job, working overtime, trying to make it. And if you're living like that, if you're living a life where every day I'm trying to live, and, every, and that's why our church, I, I mean this with such great love, I, I, I feel like I've, I've come to new convictions. For years, my conviction was pay all the bills, which we do, keep everything clean, which we do, um, Make sure that you are, um, you know, you're honest and all that. Okay, we are. But here's what I've learned. Making $52 million or whatever we make in our lifetime here, that's not wealth. That's making money. Wealth means you have time. You don't have to do anything for a year and you can still live. If, if you lose your job, you have time. Well, I'll find one about a month. I think I'm going to take a vacation first. I'm not pressured because I have time. Can you say time? time? See, you don't have any time. You're always tired and you're always running because you don't have time. So what I want our church to build now is time. So that in the future generations, they don't have to worry about certain things because we gave them time. Space. We don't want to create a bunch of debt because debt take, makes you have to go to work all the time to pay off these people because they own your time. Visa now demands you go because you've got to pay them. So does all these other credit cards and all this other stuff. They've taken away your time. Can't you see what's happening? We, why are you in business and you're always tired? That's not making money. That's not building wealth. You're better off having time and control of your life. Being exhausted is no sign of success. It's, it's, I can, I, if, and, I, and I really believe there's something fundamentally wrong in the way that families think because five of you are in a house and everybody's working and, and think about this, everybody's working and it's four or five of you in the house working and you're still broke and you're still struggling I know churches that we have 3,400 members that are active in this church that is not a made up number that is a real number they come in pieces but they're here. They give, you know, there's a couple, 3,000, I forgot the exact number who give a year, I forgot. It's around 3,000, there are about 2,800, 2,500, something like that a year. People give, so I, I mean, you're here. Some of you give a dollar, but you're here. You think I'm kidding, no, I'm not. <laughs> At least I'm in the road, Pastor. But here's the big point I want you to see. It doesn't matter that you have 10 people living in the house if the house isn't strong. 
And so, so what we have to think about is it, it, you, what can we do as a family? You got you and your wife working. What can you do as a family to come together and build time in your future so that all four of you, if one of them gets sick, they can stay home and say, well, we got your back because we've all pulled together. That's what the dream has to be about. I got that with my wife. We're clear now. We're clear. We're not just trying to make money. We're trying to build wealth. We're trying to build long-term strength. We're trying to, you got, and to do this, you got to pull in all the pieces. And I'm going to give away the sermon, but, but I'm concerned that that's not been a part of the plan. And here's why. Nobody told me. The conviction was be saved, be strong in the Lord, be powerful. Some of you are saved, but you are so broke, you can't hardly pray. You are spiritual. You love Jesus, but your life is living on the edge. And let me tell you something. I don't believe that God wants you to live there. I believe that God wants you to know, but my people are destroyed because of the lack of knowledge. How could you, Lord help me, how could you, I, I spoke to somebody the other day. He, he's a wonderful guy. God knows. I was, I was moved by this conversation. And in this conversation, I said, I said he, to, he told me, he said, the doctor looked at my, my scale. And the doctor said this to me. It was so moving. He's such a great guy. He said, the doctor looked at it. He's a Christian. And he walked away. And he just said, that don't make no sense. That don't make any sense. This is a highly successful person. And he, when he said it to me, something came over me standing with him in that airport. And I thought to myself, God, that's prophetic. Doesn't make sense. Some of what we already know, what God's already showed us, it doesn't make sense to be there. How can you have 3,400 people and you're struggling? Give me a break. What? How could, you, how could you have this many? How could you work this many hours and be struggling? Give me a break. Come on. I told God, no, no. I get you. I've been working out, but I'm, I'm committed. See, I, I'm convinced. You don't have to tell me anything. I'm, I have a conviction that I'm not going to let this happen to me. I'm not going to sit here and die and then ask God to deliver me when he already showed me. Come on, say man, if you hear me. I'm not going to put myself in that position. I'm not going to lead our church to a place of poverty where we just kind of, no, I want us to have wealth. I want us to be strong. I want us to be powerful. I want us to know. I don't want us to get distracted by the news and get all distracted by the smoke and end up spending my life not going where God called me to go. I plan to win. How many of you say amen to that? Come on, I plan to win. I've said enough. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for the word today and what I've said. I've said enough. I just want to stop here and say, Jesus, take what we've heard today and build conviction, passion, a strong sense of just get going. Our giving habits, serving habits, praying habits. This is the life you gave us. This is the gift you gave us. I must embrace this gift without fear. I must rise above the noise around me. There are families that are hearing me today and they're going to unite and say, this has been, this is ridiculous. This makes no sense. Be this angry about nothing. Not speaking to each other for days. What in the world is that about? And then at their funeral, you cry and wail. And 
Look at me, look at me, look at me. I've seen it. Oh, let me tell you, I've seen it more than I want to say I've seen it. I do funerals. I'm telling you, I've seen it. People die. And they cry. And they're sorry. Look at me. They're sorry they were mad that. And they're sorry they were so mad. And they wish. I watched them walk right past the casket. You know what they say now? That made no sense. That made. I've seen them. I've seen them fall on them. I've seen them cry. I've come down. I've hugged them. Wouldn't let it go. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen them lose a marriage. They're sorry they lost. child that won't call anymore because every time they call you all up in their face tell them who you are you think they don't know you they mama you don't know they're your daddy you got nerve to be mad why don't you call them why don't you lay your pride down and visit them oh but I've seen it I've seen them in a retirement home mad because the kids won't come you know why they won't come because you're still fussing You suck the life out of them. You make them feel small. So you don't know how I work for you. You don't know. And they sit there and they shrink. So that what they do, it reminds them of the, the witch on the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to them. They don't want to feel that way. But I've seen it. Families fall apart. Why don't you stop? Why don't you pause? Why don't you just say, pause? Did you call me a witch, Pastor? No, I didn't say you was a witch. I didn't say that about you. I just said, ee. Every time people hear you, that's what they're hearing. Every time they hear you, that's all they hear. Every time they see you, you man up in his face every time. When it falls apart, the tears. You know that time when Moses killed that guy and ran, and the Bible says he was sitting <laughs> by the well. He got away from Pharaoh, but he was sitting by the well, thinking about all he'd done. Gave up all his life for foolishness. When you sit by the well and you're realizing, man, what have I done? For some of you, this is, this is a moment because you haven't completely done it yet, but you are doing it. You are a kid who's destroying your relationship with your parents for some foolish friends or some guy who ain't going to support you. And listen to me. You listen to me. Today is the day you need to develop a new conviction. I'm not doing that. Be like Dr. Phil. He said he and his daddy used to yell and argue. And one day in the middle of an argument, he said, I'm never doing this again. I'm just not doing this. And he didn't. 
Just get tired of it. Just get tired of the arguing. Get tired of the faking. Get tired of it. Just say, I'm tired of that. I don't want to lead a church that doesn't get it. I, I want to get it. I want Jesus. Lord, I want you to help us to develop convictions that we stick with so that you can bless us, so that we can receive your best in life. And we give you all the glory. And we give you all the honor. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as Savior, they need to open their hearts to a new conviction. They need you in their life. They need to come to a strong commitment that says, I need God in my life. If you're here today, you want to start a walk with Jesus. You want to get your life going in the right direction. You need me to pray for you. You said, Pastor, what you said today spoke to me on a lot of levels. I need, to, I need a change of life. With every head bowed for your privacy, please, with every head, please, would you please raise your hand so I can pray for you? Say, yeah, pray for me. I see you. 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 I want us. Who else am I praying for today? Father, I pray for these whose hands are up. I pray for these whose hearts are lifted with them. Now lift every hand in the building. Would you, Father, we lift these hands before you, and we pray in Jesus' name that you would touch these and those at home, those who would say, God, I need you in my life. I need to develop strong convictions strong opinions that will not be easily changed. I need to decide how I want to live. I need to say this is my life and not that life. Father, I give you praise and I, I give you glory and I give you honor in the name of Jesus. I give you praise and glory. Let this be the moment that their life will never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen.